Did you know that right now there's a group of people running the business of their dreams? They are respected leaders in their field, working with clients they love and serving them profitably. Now, are they famous? Depends on who you ask. They're not signing autographs at the grocery store or taking selfies every five minutes. They're not trying to be everywhere on social media. Yet when they show up at trade events and conferences, they are recognized and sought after. They're the ones everyone else looks up to. They're the next generation of thought leaders in their space. So what's their secret? Well, they've become famously influential to the right people, and so can you. Today, we'll dig into the story of one of these leaders and deconstruct how they became micro-famous. You won't just come away inspired, you'll come away with a new strategy and a new way of thinking. So while your competition is scattered, chaotic, and chasing every shiny object, you can move forward with confidence and clarity. I'm your host, Matt Johnson, agency founder and author of Microfamous. And if you're ready to become famously influential to the right people, let's get started. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. I'm super excited because in this episode, this is a follow-up to the conversation with Jay Campbell. And if you heard that, go check that out because in today's episode, we're going to break down some of the things that we can take away from Jay's experience. And I want to expound on some of the things that we touched on, but couldn't really go in depth in that conversation. There is so much about Jay's experience and how he's built up his personal brand uh, through podcasting and social media that I wanted to point out and bring to light because there's a ton of lessons there for all of us. And I wanted to really shine a spotlight on some of those things that really we had to kind of gloss over in the conversation with Jay. So if you haven't listened to it already, go back and listen to it because you'll need the, the context to understand what I'm about to say. But if you have listened to it, let's dive in. So the first thing that I want to talk about that I extract, that I take from Jay's lesson, and I've also noticed this with other clients and friends of mine, is that Jay has an extremely engaged, advanced audience that consumes a, consumes a lot of content in that space. Uh, I would call them savvy in the sense that they've probably read or consumed a lot of material. They've watched a lot of videos, listened to a lot of podcasts, right? So they are savvy in the sense that they take in a lot of information. That doesn't mean that they're super high level um, people or business owners or anything like that necessarily. Um, but out of his market of the people that he is selling to, they are on the savvy end, right? They are information consumers. They have a problem and they're out there looking for information. A quick example of this is Jay was active just for a few days on Instagram uh, where he normally doesn't spend much time. And he did some posts and some, you know, shared some things and interacted a little bit. The next thing you know, he's got 500 DMs in his inbox in Instagram asking for help with this uh, and asking for advice on that, right? All related to the thing that he's known for. The reason I believe that he gets that level of response is not just due to his personality, even though he's an awesome, engaging, energetic guy, but lots of people are energetic and engaging. What I think sets Jay apart and gives him the ability to attract that level of an audience is the fact that the content that he shares is ridiculously in-depth. It's shared with energy, it's shared with enthusiasm, it's shared with intensity, but it's still advanced material. And so to me, that is the sweet spot, especially if you are selling something B2B with a high price tag. You want the people that care the most. You want the people that are the most advanced. You want the people that acutely feel the problem that you want to solve and are savvy enough in other areas of their business and their life to have the money and the execution to pay for it, put what you say into action and get results. Um, so when you think about the content that you want to put out there, what I would encourage you to do and what I take away, one of the first thing that, that I take away from Jay's experience is Jay skipped the mainstream in the health and fitness space. He does not talk about the same things everyone is talking about. 
you know, Hey has a book on intermittent fasting and that's, that's kind of getting bigger, but he was on the forefront before it was a thing. Um, Jay has been on the forefront of testosterone optimization before it's even, you know, before we see, before there was ever commercials on TV for testosterone supplements. Um, like Jay has been on the forefront of this stuff while it was still just an undercurrent that the mainstream of people were not even aware existed. Jay tapped into that undercurrent because he was in that undercurrent. He was somebody that cared deeply about the problem, did all the research, figured out the answers, and then was sharing his answers with other people. And they were greedily consuming the information that he shared. And if that's you, that is the best thing to start a podcast around is that information. So when you think about launching your own show or even getting interviewed on a podcast, like what are you going to share? Well, go to the stuff that people can't find in other places. Go find, like, go to the information, share the information that people wish they could find somewhere and they're looking for, but they can't find it. Or they find it, but they find it mixed in with a whole bunch of stuff they don't care about. Uh, a really good example is in the real estate space where I helped launch a podcast with a friend of mine that does really well and it helped build a multi six figure coaching consulting business in just a couple of years that's still it's still going strong and it continues to churn out new coaching clients mainly on the strength of the of the podcast and him getting featured on other podcasts and the reason that it does that is because he does the same thing, shares really in-depth content, it attracts a really in-depth, advanced, savvy audience, and they can afford the high ticket that he charges for his content. And so then he's able to package that content up into events and things like that, um, and people still turn around and buy it because they're also buying access to him, and they're buying access to his team, and so he's packaged into, into events and coaching and consulting and all this fun stuff. It's all built on the same thing. When we first launched his podcast, we looked at the content that he could share and we looked at what was out there in the market and there was, a, there was a match between the things that he could share that no one else was talking about or when you could find it, it was sprinkled just a little bit in between a bunch of other stuff that was intended for a mainstream audience. So there was a segment of people out there where they just weren't getting the content they were looking for or they were having to go through other podcasts with a fine-tooth comb just to find a couple of nuggets that meant something to them. They had to wade through a bunch of other content that wasn't meaningful to find the stuff that was meaningful. And so we were able to help him create a podcast that spoke directly to those people, gave them exactly the content they were looking for, and it built an audience rather quickly. And not only that, not only did it build an audience, it built an audience of people who were active, engaged, deeply cared about the content, and were willing to pay high dollar for coaching, consulting, and events to solve the problems that Jeff solved. So to me, those are the lessons that I, that I get from the experience. It's sharing in-depth content has a direct correlation to the level of savvy, engaged, sophisticated, advanced audience that you attract. So if that's the audience that you want, figure out what content that they're looking for and they can't find it, or they have to sort through a bunch of other podcasts and YouTube videos to find it and give it to them in one place. And that gives you a really, really good shot at building a successful podcast that monetizes quickly because it drives sales. So that's number one, in-depth content. Now, here's the second thing that I want to talk about that I took away from the experience uh, and the conversation with, with Jay, sharing his experience of how he got to be where, he, where he's at. And that's what to do when the thing that you become known for won't get you to the next level. Now, Jay is in a unique position where the things that he has been talking about, which relates to testosterone and masculinity and things like that, uh, just the concepts, the very concepts of masculinity, um, 
it just is a touchy subject in our culture and it makes it difficult for Jay to get featured in certain places. And Jay has a bigger mission anyway. So he wants to expand the focus of what he talks about on a show, which I think a lot of us find ourselves in that position, right? Um, and so what do you do? Well, there's a couple of like key things to think about, which is if you're going to share in-depth content, right? Um, the, the, the key thing to look for, I think, is, and Jay's a great example. Jay has like seven different buckets that, of things that people might be searching for where he would like to come up, right, in the search results, let's say. So seven different buckets of content that he can speak on. And I think a lot of us are that way. There's a bunch of different stuff that, that I am, am passionate about, right? Like I could talk about business models for coaching businesses for a, all day. I could do a, do a workshop on that with somebody and have a ball, right? But that doesn't fulfill necessarily my, my marketing purpose, my marketing mission, right? It doesn't help me necessarily reach the right people or send the right message if that's what I'm talking about. And Jay is the same way. So there's a very intentional process that he's going through of walking through the options for language. What are the words that he wants to become known for, right? What is that key phrase? Is he a spiritual biohacker? Is he an optimization specialist, right? And he's working through these different things, figuring out, I, you know, how do I go from being the testosterone guy, quote unquote, to the next thing? And what is that next thing? And to me, it is a it is a strategic process of both looking internally at the things that you're passionate about talking about, but also looking at the market and what other people are looking for and what are they hungry for? What is the content that they're looking for? Because we're looking to find the overlap between those two things, internal and external. What I want to talk about, what they want to hear about. You're always looking for the overlap between those two things. And what is the language that you use to present yourself to the market? Because that's really, really important. What is the category that you want to dominate, right? So Jay's been dominating the testosterone category for a while, but now what's the next category that he's going to dominate? Because if you get into biohacking, right, biohacking is taken. There's a bunch of people in biohacking and I don't know enough about the industry to even know what all the names are. But even for me, Dave Asprey and Aubrey Marcus from Onnit uh, both come to mind. Uh, I would say Tim Ferriss uh, also comes to mind for biohacking. And then and there's, I'm sure there's a bunch of others and maybe even people that are bigger than that to the people in that space, right? So biohacking, I would say is effectively taken. So then you have to move to another level, right? Spiritual biohacking, or you put some other adjective in front of the word biohacker, or maybe you go optimization, whatever it is, words matter, language matters. Uh, I learned that, um, uh, from like just that perspective and the way that that's phrased language matters that comes directly from Chris Lockhead, the author of play bigger and niche down. Um, and I, I love his perspective on it because it does matter a lot, right? Choosing the language of how we present ourselves to the world. is not just about us. It's not just about what feels good for us. We have to think about what it says to the other person, right? So how do you decide you know, what to do when the thing you've become known for won't get you to the next level. Well, it's time to think about what do you want to talk about? That's internal. And then you go externally, think about what do people want to hear about if I'm going to attract a wider audience? What do they care about? What's the ideas that are maybe about ready to tip over into the mainstream? And maybe I can capitalize on one of those trends. And that's where we find 
those big explosions of growth. I don't think everybody does it intentionally. I think most people do it accidentally. But if you can be more intentional about it, you give yourself a better chance of finding that trend that you can, you know, trend jack or, or hijack or whatever or piggyback on to get yourself to the next level. Because it's not just about us and how hard we work and how awesome we are and how much we hustle. There is an external factor and that is the trends in the audience and the content that they want from someone. And if we can step in and be that someone to give them content they've already decided that they want, we have a much better chance of succeeding than if we only look internally at what we want to talk about and then try to push that message into the world. There has to be a combination of us pushing and the audience pulling. And in fact, I would argue if you're going to choose one of the two, always go for what the audience is pulling for because it's going to be a lot easier to build a brand based off of that than to just try to push a, a message into the world that you're passionate about that other people aren't, right? So that's number two. So what are people asking for? That's the, that's the other thing. Let's talk about social media platforms. Um, so one interesting thing, and we talked about it in the conversation with Jay, is that Twitter was his platform that attracted the right, mostly the right kind of audience, that kind of more savvy, engaged audience. And the thing about Twitter is Twitter as a platform attracts those folks. And they tend to have more uh, serious maybe discussions. Now, Twitter can be a lot of things, but at least in that space, in the optimization space, um, there's a lot of in-depth conversations going on. They're talking at a high, a high level about different tactics, different supplements, and the science that are behind things. Like, like there's really interesting conversations going on there. Um, if you want to build up that kind of an audience, one of the things that we need to take into consideration is where, you know, where are you active? What social media platform are you active on? And to me, that's why I lean towards primarily getting featured on podcasts, hosting podcasts, and then thinking about social media towards the end, because I, I'm like, I sell based on ideas. My podcasting service is an idea to other people who sell on ideas, thought leaders, right? And so, for me to reach the right people, it's a lot easier to go to the place where those in-depth conversations are already taking place, which is podcasting. So that's number one. I mean, for me, like that's the number one place I want to be active is podcasting because it gives me way more time with my audience. But then I also do want to engage with people outside of the context of podcasting. And so for me, my audience is Facebook. And for me, they are having active in-depth advanced conversations from time to time on Facebook. And I'm working on creating a, an actual intentional place for that in a Facebook group where I can even siphon off people that want to have even more private behind the scenes in-depth conversations in a place that's safe because it's only for thought leaders like them. So that's at microfamousgroup.com. You can check that out to see what we're building there. But somewhere you've got to create a space where there's a level of safety and belonging for the people that you want to speak to, where they can show up and know that they're going to have the conversation that they want to have, right? Uh, that can start with your podcast. You can, you can do it and give people a, a taste of it when you're interviewed on podcasts. But ultimately, um, you want to use social media as well to have those conversations in between podcast episodes. And then you want to use social media to lead them back to your podcast. This all goes back to concepts from the Microfamous book. So it's, to me, it's that combination, right? It's that combination of podcasting, being a guest, and then also being active on social media, not everywhere, but having one platform, having one place where you can create connection and conversation and community, right? So it's all about being everywhere. 
Uh, it's about diving in and establishing one place. Now, Jay is active in more than one place, but you heard him say he's not super active on, on Instagram. He's active on Twitter, and that's been the biggest one for him. He's also active on Facebook because it's easy. But most of the time, like he's got a Facebook group there, but now that's a paid Facebook group, right? So in terms of like attracting an audience, especially from scratch, Twitter was really big for him. It's going to be different for everybody. But my advice is if you don't have one firing on all cylinders, adding another one and another one and another one isn't going to solve that problem, right? Because a lot of times it's not necessarily the way we're engaging. It's our content right? Jay has amazing content that people pay attention to and the right people consume it like a starving crowd, right? If we can find that, it's going to be a lot easier to engage, even if we aren't naturally all that good at engaging, right? So I find for myself on Facebook is a good example. Um, Twitter is like a foreign language to me, so you'll never see me there. Um, Instagram, I'm better, but Facebook is still my one place for whatever reason. Like I'm just more comfortable there. The good thing is a lot of my clients are more comfortable there too. So it's a good place, right? So that's my one place. My one place is Facebook. That's where I do the majority of my stuff. Um, and you might identify with that, but the moral of the story is this. Once you find that one place, stick primarily there and then maybe syndicate your content to other places, but pick one place primarily where you're going to be engaged. And that's what Jay did really well with Twitter. Jay doesn't just post content and run. Jay is engaged. And he was engaged, especially in the early days of growing his following on Twitter. That's the key there. And I think it's the key more and more so on Facebook and Instagram as they get better at filtering out stuff that's just reposted content. Facebook and Instagram have no vested interest in pushing your stuff if it's just syndicated from a bunch of other places and it's the same content they can get everywhere. What Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all these platforms want is they want engagement. They want you on your phone engaging and having conversations with people. So to me, if you're a thought leader and your time is valuable and your time is limited, you can't be engaged in a whole bunch of different places right? Same thing for Jay. He's got a million things going on. He can't be everywhere. So if he's going to be engaged somewhere, he's going to pick the one place that delivers the most bang for the buck. And for him, that's Twitter. And I would encourage anybody else to do the same. If you haven't found what that place is yet, by all means, experiment, but experiment with one at a time and consider the, the, the possibility that maybe you're not in getting engagement because you're, you're not putting your content out there in a way that's clear and compelling. It might not be the tactics of how you're using the platform. It might be what you're saying, right? It might be the content that you're putting out. It just isn't attracting the right people. So if you can get that right first, then, then you've got a place where you can have those conversations and you might find that you don't need to be everywhere, I would argue, because you have one social platform that's working really well for you. And before you think about adding another, you should really focus on the one that you have and growing that as much as possible because most, most likely that's going to be a better option for you. And so those are the three things that I take away the most from Jay's experience. And I hope that you go back if you haven't already. I don't know why you're listening to this if you didn't listen to Jay's episode. Um, but if you just like the content and you jumped in and you haven't heard his episode, go back and listen to it. But it's sharing in-depth content so you attract a more engaged, advanced, sophisticated audience. I believe there's a direct link there. Number two, language is critical. So the, the way that you handle 
when you are becoming known for something or you've been known for something that isn't going to get you to the next level, be very, very careful of your language and be very specific and intentional about the language that you're about to, to use because it's going to determine whether you actually get to the next level or not in a big way. And then number three is build one great social platform before you get involved in a bunch of other ones, right? Make sure you've got that one place like Jay has in Twitter where you get engagement, you attract the right audience, you can talk to them directly, you can get real feedback from real people that you want to serve, and you can have those conversations because that's the key to actually getting real organic growth. And then once you learn the principles from that, you may choose to take that into an additional social platform. I would argue you may be better served just continuing to dive deep on the platform where you're already comfortable, you already have an audience. But definitely until you get an audience somewhere and you're getting the content into people's hands that's getting engagement and getting attention and getting conversation, they have no business experimenting with a bunch of other different platforms because odds are it's not the tactics of how you're engaging, is probably the content that you're sharing. So those are the three things that I took away from Jay's experience. Make sure to check him out, uh, Jay Campbell. Uh, you can get his books on Amazon. You can get his, uh, his, you know, go to his website, check out his podcast, all that fun stuff. Um, I, I love his approach. I love how he's built his business. And I hope that you enjoy this episode and his episode as much as I enjoyed recording them. So thanks again for your time and attention. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Micro Famous Podcast. If you're ready to become famously influential to the right people, connect with us at getmicrofamous.com. It's the best way to take the next step to implementing the Micro Famous strategy in your business so you can attract an audience, build influence, and become the Micro Famous leader you're meant to be. And we'll see you on the next episode.